Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hi, I'm Linda Regano, co-host of the WAM Podcast. It's an honor to be your host, where I get to introduce listeners to amazing women who are making a real difference. With our podcast, you'll hear inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges our guests have overcome, how their backgrounds help to shape who they are today, and how they're giving back to their communities and oftentimes the world. Joining me today is Natasha Frank, a fearless champion for transparency in the supply chain, powered by connected products and circular commerce, which we're going to hear all about from her directly. So Natasha, thank you for joining our show. Let's dive right in. Thank you. Morning. Morning. It's great to have you on. I understand we are going to hear a little barking in the background. You want to introduce your dog as well? Yeah, you're going to hear a little bit of Eames, but hopefully he takes a nap very shortly. That's okay. (laughs) That's all right. We love dogs. (laughs) And especially dogs and children in the the era of uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. We're all home. So Natasha, you have such an interesting background. It's it's a combination of technology, business, and the arts. A lot of, you know, right brain, left brain stuff going on. Could you just share with our listeners more about your background and your early influencers? Yeah. So my background was actually in, in the arts. My mom was an artist and my dad was an architect. And I grew up in my mom's office. It was a live-work apartment. So it was both her home and her office. And so I had always thought that I would be in the arts. I majored in art history. I was going to go to grad school for art and design. And through that whole evolution and journey, I started to really become interested in in cities and was realizing that I might not make it as an artist and kind of moved into sustainable urbanism and, and business and developing solutions for sustainability through that lens. That's so interesting. And, and and in a way that really is, it's an art form. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And I know in our conversations in the past, sustainability is obviously very important to you. Where did you first get exposed to that concept and, and what did it mean to you? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. For me, cities were always a place. I actually didn't start with an interest in sustainability. I started in more of the interest in social justice and urban design. I saw urban design or cities as a way to create a more equitable environment for people. And so my my interest in cities was really through an interest in kind of the human condition and the human experience in the city and how to make more equitable cities. And through that, started getting opened up to the, the environmental aspects. That started your tenure, I think, with Jonathan Rose Companies. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and how that went? Yeah. So then I worked at a group called Jonathan Rose Companies, and it was my dream job and dream environment. And he was a, a mentor to me. And the mission and vision of the company was to create developments that improved the fabric of the community. So really enhancing the community through the built environment. And I worked there for about three years and was a coordinator and very basic, you know, using the fax machine and all of that into project management work. And then from there, I saw this company that actually was across the street from my house at the time called Delos. Um, they were working on a development project, and I the mission of Dalos was health and well-being in the built environment. And I was like, okay, that that interests me. And I actually emailed the founder of the company on LinkedIn 
or not emailed, messaged him on LinkedIn, whatever you say. I asked him if he would get coffee. And at this time, I was 24. And I guess six months later, I, I started at Delos, which had a similar mandate, but operating on a more global scale around health and well-being and, and, and urban equity. Oh, I love it. I love it. And just to comment, too, on the confidence that it took to be able to just reach out to this owner and say, let's go have coffee and talk. Yeah, I think it was more of a gamble. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't really expect. I remember getting the message back and being like, oh, my God, LinkedIn works, you know. And that was the beginning of me just reaching out to any and everyone through LinkedIn. I just I find it such a great tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your parents, talk about your parents during this time period. They were really supporting you on this mission, huh? Yeah. You know, now I think my mom has no idea what Eon does. <laughs> she kind of understands it, but they're very artist and creator types. And I think being an entrepreneur or starting to build a business or really doing anything that is new or different is a similar mindset. You know, it's, it's, it's a creator type. And so from that lens, they were always very supportive. So let's talk about the Eon Group and what led you to it. And I, and I think we, we should probably, for our listeners out there, also talk about what is circular commerce. I know that's going to lead into the Internet of Things to connect products. But why don't, why don't we start with Eon and, and what led you to do this? Yeah. So one of the when I, I started Eon while I was still at Galos and we were working on designing smart and healthy cities and really it became clear that we couldn't design smart and healthy and equitable cities amidst all of the global pollution. And that led me into a very deep dive into circular economy. And what circular economy is, is the easiest way to explain circular economy is to look at it in contrast to the economic model that we have today, which is the linear economy. So today we produce products we use natural resources to produce those products, and then we throw those products away. And essentially, we're throwing away the resources, we're polluting the environment, and we're ultimately having to then recreate all those resources again. Basically, what the circular economy model looks at is how do we create a more efficient, more profitable, more ecologically sound um, economic model that is founded around recapturing and reusing those resources. And it's also through the lens of what really interests me about circular economy is that it's about business model transformation. So how can we help businesses actually be more successful through these new business models? Could you give us an example? Yeah. So the simplest way to kind of distill this down is today a company makes more money when they sell two shirts instead of one, right? So they're always going to be incentivized to sell two shirts, which means that sustainability and business are kind of always going to be opposed. But what if that company could, by making a better quality shirt, resell, reuse, and recapture those materials such that the more valuable that, the more used, the more circular, and the more sustainable that product was, the more revenue that they generated. So brands are doing this today in terms of launching resale businesses. Now, instead of reselling that jacket once, they're able to resell that jacket two, three times and by keeping that product and material in utilization, they're both being more sustainable and they're generating more revenue. And what about the quality of that product? The products are then become higher quality because they need to stay in circulation. 
Got it. Got it. So this is deeper than just, you know, Eileen Fisher taking back clothing and, and revamping it again and reselling it. Yeah. So I'd say any Eileen Fisher is really a pioneer in launching the resale model. Today, resale, though, is about, you know, 1% or less of Eileen Fisher's inventory or and very small percent through rental. And so I think we're just starting to kind of scratch the surface of the launch of these programs. And in order to scale them, in order to have resale, rental, recycling, operating at scale, we need digital systems to support that. And that's where Eon comes in. We are creating systems and technology that enable brands to operationalize and scale their circular economy business models. Got it. So, so how does that work? I mean, are you, did you just say, I'm going to create this platform or? Oh, God, no. You have this, you know, art background, you've got, and yeah. business. But right. you, here you work, you, you see an obvious need in an industry that's woefully not doing well when it comes to, you know, sustainability. Mm-hmm. So here you are building something. How did this all happen? I'm just, I'm curious. Where does the technology for this come from? I mean, it was definitely like a little bit of peeling back layers to figure out to get to Eon. Like it wasn't like one day I was like, okay, like every product needs an identity and I'm going to start this IoT platform. It was many different types of ideas related to circularity. And eventually, as I started to work in industry and understand what the problems were and the underlying solution was, figuring out the Eon platform solution. So it was completely iterative. It went through many different versions. Eon had many different names as a company until it finally, you know, was crystallized. And this industry, I mean, it's it's really kind of shocking when you hear about the the level of waste. Can you talk a little bit more about it? Because it's, I mean, you you said it yourself that waste is at the heart of fashion. Can you just share with our listeners some stats? Yeah, I think if we just even think about it on a personal level, like every product that you've ever worn throughout your life is probably in a landfill somewhere, <laughs> you know. And so multiply that by all the people on the earth. It's absolutely staggering the amount of waste and it's absolutely devastating the amount of resources that go into one product, right? How many gallons of water it takes to make one t-shirt. And so if we think about the kind of each of these products as a valuable resource, we then start to look about how to keep them in circulation. And, you know, fashion isn't alone as an industry that's in a linear model. I'd say every industry, you know, is, is somewhat linear today. I think fashion as a kind of leader in innovation and a creative industry and an industry that other industries actually look to replicate has an opportunity to really pioneer this, especially because we're starting to see the cultural shifts take place, right? Customers are looking for brands that represent their values and therefore, you know, it's, it's really pushing brands to embrace these new models that service the, the customer. Right. Can you share some examples of how you work with a company? Mm-hmm. They come on board and they say, yes, help us. What do you do? Yeah. Beyond's work is very simple in some ways. We are identifying physical products such that products become assets. So basically, if a product isn't identified, then there's no way to manage it through a new business model after point of sale. So I'm going to break that down a little bit. 
today in the supply chain, every product, you know, or at retail has some form of tag on it, like a barcode. That barcode or that RFID tag, which is another form of chip that brands use to tag their products, they are the ways that brands track and manage that product in the supply chain. And it is only by having item-level tagging that any brand in the world is able to manage, you know, hundreds of millions of products in their supply chain at once. Today, after in the supply chain, those products are tagged and then the brand sells those products. And when they're selling those products, they remove the tag because they no longer care about tracking that product, taking care of that product, making sure that product gets reused. They're no longer accountable. And so what happens is once you remove the product ID, there's no way to either for the customer or the brand to know how to manage that product. And basically... What Neon does is we are embedding all of the data in that physical product such that that product can be identified for resale, such that that product can be identified by recyclers so they can know the material content. You know, in order to recycle a t-shirt, you need to know, or a pair of jeans, you need to know the exact type of cotton and the dyes and the chemicals that were used in those products. Today, none of that data is with an item. So Eon based work with industry to develop something called the Circular ID Protocol, such that each product could be embedded with all of this data that it needs for a circular life cycle. And so this is brand new. No, no one else is doing this. The Circular ID Protocol is new. It will launch, it's in pilot right now, and it was developed with a full consortium of industry leadership. So partners like H&M, PVH, Target, Microsoft, SAP, and all different waste management players across the entire circular value chain to inform what data is essential for this product lifecycle management. And then your technology allows them to capture this information and keep it. So how does it work then? So once they sell that t-shirt or whatever that product is, how do you track what's, what's happening at that point? Right. So this whole word of track is also a little bit, feels a little bit scary because it's like, well, is someone tracking my clothes? It's not really as though you're being tracked. It's just like, imagine if you, you know, scan that QR code, all, then you can access that data. So no one is being sort of tracked in a, in a scary sense. It's just being able to ID the physical product. So you could think of our Internet of Things platform, Eon's Internet of Things platform, as giving every product like a digital birth certificate. Here's who I am as a product. Here's where I came from. Here's the factory. Here's my materials. Here's my price. Here's the brand. Here's the manufacturer. And also a digital passport. So this is, I was produced. I left. I was shipped. I arrived at the store. I was resold. I'm being shared. I was liked. I'm recycled. I love it. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. It's a birth certificate and passport. Mm. And so for the first time, what that makes possible is also like measurement in circular economy. So today there's no real way to say, oh, you know, 30% of the materials of this company were recycled. There's no proof or measurement or accountability. This is going to start to make that make that possible. And consumers, I mean, I, I think consumers want this, right? Didn't you I think it was some number like eight out of 10 said it was important for a company to be transparent? Yeah. So I think what I mean... It's amazing to see the customer demand for this kind of technology and for transparency and accountability from brands. 
And I think people are, or the customers, is looking beyond just innovation to real sort of proof of impact. And that's where we're stepping in. Because it's one thing to be transparent, and it's another thing to actually reduce your impact and have a positive impact. And so we want to take, you know, the word transparency beyond just, okay, you know, this product was produced transparently to this product is 100% circular and, you know, reduce the global impact by, you know, X, Y, Z. I mean, fashion seems like it's just touching the surface. What other industries do you see this, you know, a natural fit for? So going back, you know, going back to when this, this all started, I actually was first interested in the Eon solution was developed around packaging because where I was interested in was, or developing a circular solution for was reusable containers. Like I love the idea of being able to get a coffee cup and then drop it off somewhere and, you know, having sort of a check-in, check-out digital system for containers across the city. I realized that that system of this coffee cup and this container and dropping it off to different locations to clean and having it be accessible and, you know, connected to your credit card, none of that was possible unless the container was ID'd. And so that led me into this whole rabbit hole of ID. Like I was talking about ID for like three years and trying to figure out how to ID products and materials. Obviously, Eon's first industry is fashion, but I'm really interested to coming back to consumer packaged goods and designing new new business models around containers. That's amazing. I, I can definitely see that as being a huge industry. Can you talk a little bit too, and you know, when people talk about the internet of things in a platform, can you talk about how you're leveraging IoT in what you're doing today? Yeah. So IoT, we think of it as kind of like the next generation internet, right? Today you go to your computer to like connect to the internet and IoT is about enabling your your physical products to be connected to the internet. So you can connect with your backpack, you can connect with your fridge, right? All of these devices becoming sort of sentient. Eon as a a platform, we are enabling that connection between physical products and the internet, which makes us an IoT platform. What's a little bit complicated about IoT platforms is that They bridge both the digital and the physical. So we are, as a company, creating a platform, but we're also working in the supply chain with manufacturers and weavers and producers to actually get this technology into physical products. So what are the biggest challenges that you see facing Eon over the next year or two? So over that's a great question. Outside of the obvious. (laughs) Well, I was going to say outside of the obvious, right? Which is COVID. Yeah, right. Um, Probably the ones that I can't foresee are the biggest challenges. The ones that I anticipate are education for industries. So we have done a lot of work around helping brands understand how this works and how this connects them with their different partners in the circular value chain. So I'll back up and explain what I mean by that. But basically, as a platform and when we connect products, Eon is uniquely trying to connect different organizations to build systems between those companies. So for example, take H&M, a producer, and ICO, a recycler, right? Today, when ICO, the recycler, receives H&M's products, they can't, or, or any other brand, they can't ID them, right? And so... They can't access the material content. There's no digital sort of infrastructure to measure that. And now with Circular ID and with the Eon platform, we enable basically that product to communicate to both 
HM and communicate to the recycler. But working on a project with one company alone is very complicated. Working on a project that takes two companies and tries to connect them and their digital infrastructure is, is a whole nother headache. So we view the next two years for Eon as, tr- as kind of laying the, for lack of a better word, plumbing that connects these different companies. You know, our focus is, is laying that plumbing over the next two years such that other companies can start to have their products go through that, that data channel. Would you say in the fashion industry as it is, what percentage of the, the players there are committed to this kind of circular economy? I think there are a lot of, I mean, I don't have a number around that, but I think there are a lot of commitments from companies around circular economy, which is great but there's not a lot of necessarily how to get there. That's where we're excited about helping companies actually, you know, and in our business development strategy, those are also the companies that we're really pursuing. You have stated that this is your goal. In order to achieve this, we know you need this. We actually are really positioning ourselves as, as an asset to them to help them meet their, their stated objectives. Yeah. I mean, you're helping them really walk the talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I did come across that I was so impressed with, and I think that education was probably your goal with it, was this Connected Products Economy Report. Hmm. Can you tell us more about this? Because it looked like a real learning opportunity. Yeah. So if you're interested, it's an 80-page download. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, um, that should come with a warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the connected products economy it was it's just amazing to put together but it brought you know all the members of the circular idea initiative across the circular value chain and we're just so grateful for their partnership and it outlined you know how a how the circular idea protocol and a digital foundation for circular economy one was imperative mm-hmm. and two how the initiative was working to achieve that How long did that take you to put together that this report Oh my god I think it took us, yeah, it took us about a year. I was very impressed with it because from just an educational standpoint, this is, you hear a lot of people talking about it, but you don't see a lot of action. You and Eon are are taking it to that next level. Where can listeners download, I mean, can anybody download this report? I know you sent it to me, but can our listeners download it as well? Absolutely. It's available for download for industry, as is the Circular ID protocol. So Eon has committed to making all these resources publicly available for industry. You can access those at eongroup.co and on the homepage, you'll see see a place to download all of it. Okay, good, good. And we'll, we'll remind listeners later. If we could, I want to just, we didn't talk a lot about on the personal side is just, you know, you've got this amazing background, this incredible drive, entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I always like to get behind that a little bit and just to understand the person. Could you tell us just a little bit more? I like to ask people, what's the best advice you ever got and how did it change you? Or Natasha, what's the best advice you never took (laughs) that you wish you did? Yeah. The best kind of the, the way for me that I learned was really watching people. And I just feel like I've observed people throughout my life and picked up things that I saw them doing or an energy that I saw or a practice that they had that I admired and tried to adopt it. So for me, it was never, you know, one person is my mentor or, you know, one piece of advice that I got, but more watching, observing and sort of 
picking up different pieces of people and, and their habits or their practices or their disciplines that I admired and, and starting to weave those, those together into my life. So my, I guess, biggest advice would just be observe the world. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Observe the world and then put it in. It, it's there's that other part which is putting that into action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and and it sounds like you've had a lot of mentors along the way. So I mean, many. Just, yeah. Yeah. Which is it's an, an, kind of an even mix of men and women. Yeah. Interesting enough, in the the circular economy space, it's really a lot of women. It's also really systems based work and thinking. So I think it does really attract the female brain and the wiring. So I've had a lot of wonderful women mentors in my life and also a lot of really great men in the you know, technology world who have opened the door and, and, and seen what Eon is trying to do and, and invited us to, to be part of what they've already built on the digital side. So it's been, I've been very grateful to, you know, friendships and industry. Yeah. And, and obviously networking and, and connections in this industry is critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always amazing to me, you know, 30, I could talk to you for, you know, hours. You've got so many interesting stories to tell and, and just everything. But unfortunately, this is coming to an end in 30 minutes, but just a fun question. And I'd, I'd love to ask you, if you could have one superpower, what would that be and why? Oh, God, I might want to see the future, ah. especially right now. <laughs> you know, like, please. Yeah. As, especially now. Yeah. That, that might be a little scary, though. Yeah. <laughs> for better or worse, I guess. And would you have, what message would you have for our listeners here, which are women who are coming up in manufacturing onto their next chapter, moving ahead in their career? Any parting thoughts? I would just love to be helpful if I can. So if anything that I've shared or anyone that you believe I know that I could introduce you to or any way I could be of support, my email is natasha at eongroup.co and I'd be, be happy to support. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. That's that's wonderful. If you can, just say your website again. I just want to make sure that everybody knows how to get to Natasha Frank as well as Eon Group. And mm-hmm. where should they go? It's eongroup.co. Co, and they can find you on LinkedIn as well if they want to connect with you. Yes, exactly. Full circle. You can message me on LinkedIn. Uh, terrific. All right. Well, Natasha, thank you again for sharing your journey and just your excellent insights. And you are really, you're in such an exciting area. We're going to have to get you back to give us an update and, and hear how things are going. Well, thank you. Hope so. We can see the future. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. All right. Talk to you soon. And for all listeners out there, we look forward to our next show. Stay tuned for more great stories with amazing women. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.